Welcome one and all. It's the NFL Draft Bible Podcast. We're doing Draft Digest, brought to you by All Access Football. I am your host, Joe Everett, the Director of College Scouting at NFL Draft Bible. Uh, with you today, uh, we got our Blog Talk Premium Channel. We've got Combine Review, Wide Receiver Preview, let you know what we think about the position. Uh, and the NFL hot stove, fast, furious, all kinds of moves, trades, uh, releases, Richard Sherman walking the streets as a free agent. Uh, it's just a lot going in the NFL, so tons of topics, uh, tons of stuff to get to. Uh, we've got one guest on the line. This is uh, that's you, Justin? That's me, buddy. I had a feeling, man. Well, so far we're the only two uh, on right now. So since I didn't get to hang with you in Indianapolis at all this year, which is a rarity, uh, let's kick it off, man. Like, who who, who stuck out to you? Uh, what, what's your general, like, feelings after that combine time in the books, man? Cool, jumping right in. I like it. Um, yeah, dude, missed you guys at the Combine this year. Not the same thing, watching it at home, but, uh, you know, next year, there's always next year, and hopefully we'll get to catch up again. But, uh, yeah, man, it was a wild Combine. The, the safeties were fast. The corners were fast. <clears throat> the wide receivers were big. Um, DJ Moore came in, you know, two inches bigger, 10 pounds heavier, a full tenth of a second faster. Like, what happened? I mean, some of these guys just put up numbers that I did not see coming. Um, I really thought on tape DJ Moore was one of those guys, you know, 5'10 and a half, 195, 200 pounds maybe, um, you know, 4'9", four, 4'5", four, four, but the kid comes in six foot, whatever, 210 or, you know, and running a 4'4", 4'4", 3". I don't know if I saw that speed on tape, but when you go, you know, when you put all those things together, I could not bump him up a little bit, so – I think he made himself some money at that combine. I think he's squarely in the top 40 picks now. What do you think? Especially we're going to start breaking down the wide receivers and the rankings. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be in a in a group of those wide outs that I previously uh, didn't have him in. And, yeah, I don't know that I saw that from the footage we watched. But uh, that's this is definitely a guy we're going to have to go back to, uh, look at the footage, reevaluate, and say, like, where where was the speed the whole time? But I know where the boss man is right now. Rick, we've got you on the line. What is going on? Give us the skinny in Jersey. Oh, baby. Late to my own show. Can't stop, won't stop. You know, I'm still trying to recuperate from the combine. We're out here on the pro days on location. Uh, across the nation. It's a beautiful thing. I think you guys are talking about DJ Moore. I mean, you know, we had that scouting report up there on the website about three years ago. That was evident and apparent to me when I went and scouted Maryland, if that's who you guys are talking about. And, you know, I don't know if I have him in the top 50 just yet, but, you know, I think that's what we're going to debate here on the wide receiver show. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the uh, NFL hot stove heating up, man, this off-season tracker. I, I can't even keep up with this. It's like a wildfire. Uh, the phone's ringing off the hook in Cleveland. I know that for sure. And, uh, you know, just getting into these risers and sliders and, and who left Indianapolis winning. I know uh, Orlando Brown was not one of those guys. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> just brutal, man. Uh, a, a top ten pick being talked about now. I don't even know if he's going in the first round after that. That was uh, that's about as bad as it gets, and it just kind of fits his mo of, 
hey, this guy doesn't take care of himself. He's not in the best of shape, but he's tall. He's big. This is how he wins. But everybody's tall and big in the NFL. So, yeah, I'd, Orlando Brown, I mean, he knocked himself out of the first and really where he fits in because I, now it's locked and sealed. He ain't, he ain't no left tackle. I think we could all agree on that. Well, you know, that's that's interesting. You know, NFL Draft Bible Radio in full effect here. All right, seeing a place to be Rick Saratella. For those of you who don't know, Justin Gamble dropping a hammer on him. Joe Everett never leaving a stone unturned. You know, let me ask you that. I'll go over to you, Justin. Is there really a, a, an offensive lineman in this year's draft that you say, hey, he's a plug-and-play left tackle. This guy's going to protect the blind side of my quarterback for the next 10 years. Absolutely not. And I think that's what makes it such an intriguing class overall is it's not top-heavy. There's no, you know, locks at, at tackle position. I think going through them all this past week, Mike McGlinchey seems to me to be the most safe, uh, you know, tackle prospect. But I wouldn't say that he's, you know, a lock to be a starter, a lock to be a high-level guy. But, you know, when you put his tape together, it's like, all right, I feel good about putting him here. But, you know, like you said, there's no guy that you say, you know, this this guy's athletic enough, this guy has a tape. It's it's interesting. Um, Connor Williams, you know, I think with his measurements coming in, we kind of solidified him as he's not a lock to be a tackle either. I think a lot – I mean, Zerline said, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to put this guy at guard. It's not – you know, and he was maybe the top-ranked or top-rated, you know, quote-unquote tackle prospect. But, you know, after the combine, it's like I think we – we now, again, have more questions than answers because now it's like uh, some of these guys, the numbers didn't match up with the tape, and now you know, we have reassurance that some of these dudes don't have the measurables we thought they did. And um, I, I feel bad being a team picking in the top ten in this draft. If you don't need a quarterback, it's like, you know, do we trade out? What do we do? Talking NFL Combine reaction, and, of course, we've got a boatload of interviews from the Combine up on the website, NFLDraftBible.com along with pro day reports, scouting reports. Uh, I mean, nobody's really covering the draft like we are. So check us out, NFLDraftBible.com. We're on fire over there. Let me pose this question, Joe. Heading into Indianapolis, let's take the quarterback out of the equation. When you look around the draft boards around the league, those top four non-quarterback prospects, I don't think Indianapolis changed the board. Now, you can – put them in whatever order you would like. But, Joe, do you agree? Saquon Barkley, Minka Fitzpatrick, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, are those still the four franchise non-quarterback players in this year's draft? Or did Indianapolis change that for you? I don't think so. I don't think any of those guys did anything to hurt themselves. I mean, Barkley just backed up what we thought. Uh, Minka, I almost, I'm sure if he had a terrible 40, uh, we'd start to uh, alert the bells and whistles. But, like, I almost care, don't care what he ran. I mean, he is just a coach on the field. So, I, I, I take him any of the day of the week. And, yeah, there's nothing wrong with Chubb. Uh, I think he tested well. And he's a guy that strikes me, too. I mean, we don't have the access to the team interviews, but he's a guy I would not worry about uh, in the room with the Italian evaluators. He's he's a cool customer. So, yeah, I think that those non-quarterbacks, they're, they're pretty much not moving. I mean, those three guys, uh, that's I don't want to say they're solid as a rock, but they ain't. I want to meet the rock that's harder than that. <laughs> Justin, anybody in that 
equation for you after Indianapolis? Uh, I think I, mm. <laughs> here's my thing about Quentin Nelson. Let me just say this. We keep talking about him as a top five player, and I understand that he's the safest player maybe in this class, and he's a good, you know, maybe an all-pro at guard, but does a guard improve your team? Does it improve your team's win-loss record? If Indianapolis were to take Quentin Nelson in the top five, in the top three, does he improve their team's wins column? Um, that's the whole thing about this draft class to me is, you know, these, the, if you're picking the top five, you're picking a guy that's going to come in and blow it up and give you more wins. Is Quentin Nelson improving your team's wins? A- answer me that because right now I'm like, you know, he's the top guard. He's one of the top prospects, but is he worth a top three pick? I cannot fathom that. I can't bring myself to say that about a guard. Well, you know, some people might say that about a running back as well. And we'll get into that debate later on. Now uh, we're talking NFL combine reaction. Of course, the uh, festivities in Indianapolis are now over. The dust has settled. And I think, you know, the interesting thing that we learned, um, you know, maybe maybe it's the media playing tricks on some of these NFL teams' draft boards. Maybe maybe there is something to this combine stuff because how much are NFL teams' big boards going to change? Like we sat in at the Inside the League uh, combine seminar and spoke to a panel of scouts and, you know, take that take that snapshot, take that picture of your big board before the combine – now, all of a sudden, after the combine, that big board is shifting and moving and shaking. Is that a product of data analytics? Did we want to see the testing? Or is it the media hype? A lot of X factors when you factor in the equation. So uh, we'll try to get, dig into that conversation a little bit more. Of course, we'll have reaction from this NFL uh, free agent frenzy that's about to kick off on Monday. But, of course, the legal tampering phase has already begun and uh, we've got a whole bunch of trades and veterans on the move and cuts, and hopefully we'll get that in later on in the show. Of course, wide receiver preview here today on the NFL Draft Bible Radio, RIC, Joe and Justin here, you there. Um, all right, guys, I know I, I interjected, you know, into the conversation a little bit late to the party, but uh, Justin, any other combine risers or sliders that you want to discuss? Um, I think <clears> – <throat> The Iowa corner, Josh Jackson, uh, he didn't do himself a whole lot of favors at the Combine. Um, from looking really stiff and tight-hipped to having no idea how to do some of these drills, I mean, the W drill is the the first, you know, defensive back drill you do when you get to high school. And he looked like he had never seen such a thing before. You know, I think Daniel Jeremiah, Mike Mayock, they were all like, "Hey, you know, why, why is this guy? What, what's he, why does he have to restart? What is he? What is he doing right now? Is he messing with these guys? Like, what, what's the problem?" Um, I think the fact that his tape, you know, masked a lot of his flaws to get into the combine and having no idea how to do some of these things, and also not looking physically like the guy we saw on tape, it, it was just a big not only red flag, but kind of a big, like, Oh, we, we need to, we need to revisit this whole thing and kind of look at this guy and, you know, in the big spectrum of things and wonder how he fits in compared to these other guys. So Josh Jackson, for me being a former DB, um, I looked at him like, I don't know what to do with you. And I think maybe that cover three scheme in Iowa kind of covered up some, some of the things about your game more than we thought it did. 
And, you know, it's interesting because I think coming into the combine last year, Desmond King uh, was considered a first-round guy. And I think after the combine, things may have changed. So another Iowa guy maybe on the slide. And I think King had a solid rookie season. I I wasn't able to keep too many tabs on him, but I think he held his own. Uh, Joe, any other risers, sliders, players you would like to discuss from Indianapolis? Yeah, I got a few players, but first off, a couple schools. Uh, my boys from Tulane showed up. Perry Nickerson, four three two. What? Get out of town with that. And then uh, Ade Aruna. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to go back to the film now, uh, seeing that four six forty at six six two sixty two. He's got a thirty eight and a half inch vert, ten eight broad jump. That really stands out so uh credit to whoever doing strength coaching and and all those workouts at Tulane because this wasn't just a an off season or a draft program these guys were already in shape that's clear and then uh Penn State not just Barkley not just Kosicki uh Troy Apke ran a 4-3-4 I mean uh, that whole program they they really have to be smiling ear to ear because Kasicki stole the show. You knew Barkley was going to show up. But, yeah, Apke, uh, I, I think uh, he's a guy, really a big-time track background for him. So people are going to go back and see. I think he started maybe just one season in Happy Valley. So there's going to be some reevaluation for him. But I think uh, uh, two defensive put Marcus Davenport, uh, there's a lot of talk about him. It's, it's, he's just too raw to play. But at six five three quarters. A ten four broad jump and that four five eight forty. That's that's pretty much freak show, and with that length he has, uh, that, that, that that's just going to push him up. It's, there's just no way around it. It's very similar to quarterbacks and these pass rushers. There's just a, a, just a lack of them here, and you've got a guy that long running that fast. Uh, yeah, things are going to get out of hand. But I think uh, the Boise State kid, the linebacker Leighton Vanderesh, he's big. I did not think he was 256, and he's 6'4 and one quarter. I'm sure people see a 4'6540 and don't think that's that great, but at 6'4 and all that weight, that's moving. And he's also got a 39 and a half inch vert, and then that 6883 cone. Uh, I think there's just a lot Vander Esch could do. He can cover tight ends, he can blitz. Uh, this is a guy that not only there was a combine very kind to him, but if people, you know, had their ears raised when he uh, declared early, they they shouldn't. I mean, this guy's a player. I think uh, I think Vander Esch is pushing hard and knocking on that door, trying to get into the first round. And uh, yeah, my latest mock, I'm I'm putting him in there. I think the Steelers need linebackers in the worst way, and that's that that'd be a good fit for them. I I was just like I said, I did not think Vander Esch was that big, and the results he produced at that size, that's that's really gonna uh, make a lot of teams uh, go back to his footage as well. Yeah, a lot of um, buzz on Vander Esch at the Combine, and I think I did the Giants.com show before he worked out, and they asked me, you know, who do you like in round two at at 34 for the Giants? And I said, Vander Esch, and and they said, you really think he's going to be there? At the time, I did, (laughs) after that Combine performance. I mean, he's got some serious momentum because that bowl game was huge. I think, you know, a lot of the NFL evaluators uh, hop on board, the uh, the the process in December, they take note of those those bowl games, and he blew that up. And then, you know, you mentioned uh, Apke from Penn State, the safety. You know, shout out to uh, Tony Softly because 
a lot of those guys were out in L.A. at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. Apke actually was the defensive MVP for the week, I believe, or, or, or the game. Uh, Nickerson, you know, we've been all over him. Uh, I thought he was the best player out there at the Collegiate Bowl. And then, you know, the Ade Aruna kid, it's funny because I walked by uh, a GM on the field and he said, who do you like out of this group? I said, that, that player right there, I think he was wearing 91. I said, he's a hell of a player. You know, he was hands down the best player out here yesterday. And he just goes, oh, he's so raw. So <laughs> it felt good to see him <laughs> crush it at the combine and make me feel good about myself and, and make me believe that I know what I'm talking about. And I think we know what we're talking about because we had our 40-time contest. And I think we all had guys – uh, right there in the mix, I think we, we, we talked about the LSU kids being right there. We talked about Denzel Ward. Um, you know, we talked about Naheem Hines. So I, I think we were all over, you know, the fastest 40 time. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, Justin, anybody else you want to discuss, or can we turn the page? No, we can keep moving, buddy. We've, we've, we've done our due diligence, I think, on that combine. Nice. Okay, so – just so you guys know, last two days, Rutgers Pro Day, Fordham Pro Day, uh, you know, I will say, little scoop here, watch out for those Atlanta Falcons scouting Chase Edmonds. Just saying. Just saying. Um, but, yeah, 17 teams in attendance at the Fordham Pro Day. That was moved to Columbia uh, due to the weather. A lot of small school guys on the radar if you want to get the scoop on that, we have that up on the website. And then yesterday, uh, I confirmed 20 teams. Rutgers is, is reporting 25 teams were in attendance. There was definitely 30 to 40 scouts, without a doubt. Uh, that workout was moved to the Jets facility, so Mike McCagnan was in attendance. Um, and, you know, this guy, you talked about Marcus Davenport, Joe, another raw pass rusher. You know, you wonder the the the, the pass rushing uh, crop, the draft class this year, so thin. How many mistakes will be made overreaching for guys? And Kamoko Ture is a guy that comes to mind. Uh, you know, just a lot of a lot of Rutgers beat reporters asking me what's going on. I don't get it. Why was this guy invited to the combine? He doesn't know how to play football. No offense, Kamoko. I love you to death. You know, nobody supports the Rutgers football program in the in the country more than I do. <laughs> but, hey, man, five years, you can't win a starting job all of a sudden. You know, I think what was one of the great quotes from one of the uh, scouts at the at the Combine, yeah, some players who can't play football ran, ran really well. Yeah, well, it tends to happen. So I think that's when, you know, you get into the, some of these mistakes, stand depth at the position, uh, you go to the combine workouts, you start salivating, you see a guy that's six foot five, two fifty, can bend, you know, get low. Uh, you know, it's almost like he's riding a motorcycle sometimes the way he gets down to the ground coming off the edge. But, you know, you gotta go back and, and wonder what happened after that freshman season, seven and a half sacks, three blocked kicks, and then, you know, just seven seven and a half sacks over the last four years uh or three years the rest of the way so hey i got you covered from front to back on the rutgers thing uh that's up there on the website as well we are now going to transition over to wide receivers 
And uh, next week, you know, we'll uh, try to cover tight ends and offensive line. Last week we did running backs. Uh, you want to catch some of the previous shows. It's archived up there on the website, NFLDraftBible.com, Blog Talk Radio. Of course, we're on iTunes. Like it, share it, kiss it, hug it. We appreciate it. Um, so let's do this. We'll get into the wide receivers. Rick Severtella, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, breaking it down. Bringing you the names you need to know first since 2002. You can follow us on Twitter, too, at NFL Draft Bible. We're all over the social media uh, universe and – you want to get on board and be a sponsor, get at us, RIC at NFLDraftBible.com. We're reaching a, a good 3 million people a month this time of year. It's not too late. 47 days away, baby. 47 days away. I can't believe it. I've been plugging in uh, data and, and doing the big board since 4 a.m. this morning. So eight hours of big board grinding. And then we're doing the, the draft podcast, so we'll try to bring you the updated rankings. We've got scouting reports coming out. Uh, throughout the day, every day. Can't stop, won't stop. You know how we get down. So, wide receiver preview, gentlemen. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think Calvin Ridley, to me, is still hands down the best wide receiver. I don't care about his age. Uh, I think he's the best immediate impact wide receiver in this year's draft class. After that, you know, choose your flavor for whatever it's worth. I like Christian Kirk. He's more of a slot guy, I believe, at the next level. So, to me, you know, I don't know if there's another first-rounder in this wide receiver class. But I will tell you, it gets interesting. After those two guys, for me, and Joe, I'll start it off with you, I look at the the next, you know, tier of wideouts, and these guys are so evenly matched for me. And I will start off by saying I know we weren't high on Cortland Sutton, but he did what I wanted to see at the combine, and, and just I wanted to see the speed. I think he showed that. How does he compare against against a guy like Equanimous St. Brown, and then a Dion Kane? I mean, those three guys really evenly rated right now on my board. How do you see this wide receiver class? I really just don't see a first round talent in this group. Uh, I think the questions on Calvin Ridley's explosion, uh, age worries. I mean, sure, his 40 is fine, and that's what kind of receiver. He's a little sleek. He's he's not explosive. He's kind of like deceptively quick, I guess, if that's an overused term. But, yeah, I'd see a lot of really quality day two guys here, uh, like Sutton, like Kane, uh, Equinemius you brought up, EQ, I think. That's the guy I like the best. I mean, you're looking basically at what I say is a, a poor man's A.J. Green. I mean, I don't fault him for a bad 2017. If you look at Wimbush and Ian Book, those Notre Dame quarterbacks, any receiver would have had a bad 2017. I think the same thing goes with Deion Cain. Uh, you take away Jordan Leggett and Mike Williams and Sean Watson, all of a sudden things are a lot more difficult at, at Clemson getting open and whatnot. So I, I, I just think, like I said, Kirk, Kane, St. Brown, uh, Sutton, I think those are their sweet spot right there is uh, the end of round two, round three, and then, then we just got a bunch of day three guys. I'm not going to go out and say it's the, a terrible wide receiver class because there is good depth. There's some solid players. It's just 
uh, we're really lacking on star power here in this wide receiver group. And, and like I said, it's just, uh, to me, it strikes me as a year you want to wait. You want to just hang back and maybe, you know, after all these Anthony Milliers, DJ Chark, James Washington are off the board, you sit back and take a Jaleel Scott, uh, Cedric Wilson, Boise State, Byron Pringle, day three guys. I think that's, if you're really trying to build a team, add some receivers, I don't know if maybe this isn't the year, and if you do, you wait and take your chances because I really, uh, not to be too critical, I just don't see any of these guys from the footage we've seen as being worthy of a uh, a day one pick. Uh, to be honest, the only one I think is Antonio Callaway, but the red flags and all the worries off the field just knock him completely out of the top 50 or top 100 for that matter. I mean, there's just going to be teams scared to death of uh, what he does outside of the painted line. So, I, yeah, I just uh, – we're really hurting for star power in this group, I think. Okay, well, maybe not too much star power, but you, you talk about the depth, and we didn't even get to guys like Michael Gallup, Deontay Burnett, uh, Antonio Callaway, like you said, Joe, could be a guy on day four. Deshaun Hamilton, I thought, looked pretty damn good at the senior bowl. Jaleel Scott, a guy with uh, some question marks. And, man, we didn't even talk about Auden Tate from Florida State, talk about a rise or a slider mm-hmm. after an Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he's probably a day three guy that you roll the dice on now. So, you know, Justin, Joe makes an interesting point. You take a look at the past couple drafts, uh, the wide receivers going in round two, round three, have have outperformed a lot of these guys that went in round one. So, you know, what's your perspective? What's your take on the 2018 wide receiver draft class? I agree with Joe to a point that there's just a buttload of day two dudes. But here's the thing with Ridley is I think we're kind of forgetting what he is and what his strengths are. I think Ridley is like that guy that it's like we're, we're trying to make sure he checks all the boxes when, you know, when you get a Ferrari sports car, you're not trying to check the off-road boxes. You're not making sure it can go off-road and get the all-terrain. You're making, you're you're allowing this car to do what it does well, and that's go fast, and that's do you know handle well and blah blah. blah. Ridley's that guy that he runs fast. He runs immaculate routes. Um, he gets deep. He blows the top off defenses, and just because he doesn't test well in certain areas that allow him to play big and, you know, become Julio Jones or A.J. Green, I don't think that doesn't make him a day-one guy. I think he does what he does well, and he does it almost at an elite level to where we don't need him to be a super complete wide receiver. We just need him to continue doing what he does well. And so, for me, I think Ridley is a day-one guy. I think, again, with like Joe said, Callaway is a day-one guy. He's just – his off-the-field stuff is not going to, you know, get him up there. But talent-wise, he's absolutely a day one guy. Uh, Michael Gallup. I think DJ Moore, for me, is one of those guys that it's like he's – because of his size now, we move him to an outside receiver, and we think, oh, maybe he's not a day one guy. But if you you think about him as being a big slot and just compare him to Christian Kirk, he outdid Christian Kirk in every single test and every single drill. He's just a little bigger. But I think if you consider them both slot guys, DJ Moore might be a day one guy um, late in the first round. I think he's golden tape, but maybe a little bigger and a little more explosive. And I think if you commit to making that something that your team wants to use and utilize, you know, at a high level and do it all, you know, do it consistently, build kind of a, a game plan around him, 
and let him complement some of the other more explosive guys and the other guys on the outside, um, he can be a real a real game breaker as far as the way you want to use your offense. So um, him, I think Jamon Moore from Missouri, he was weird because it's like every single test was great for him except the 40. Um, and I think on tape he shows a lot more speed than that 4-6 flower or whatever that he ran. But I think he's just one of those guys that didn't test or that run, you know, better on the field than he tested and kind of just had no idea how to run the 40. Um, but being so big and long-legged, his three-cone and some of that other stuff was pretty great. So I, I he he's one of those guys I kind of throw out the, the testing with, but I think he's another day two, early day three guy that you say, you know, if we have an established wide receiver course, we bring him in, um, this dude's going to compete, and this dude's going to bring some real raw athleticism to our team. So, um, And, you know, DJ Chark, I think, late round one, if there's – if you are a team, if you're, you know, some of these teams, maybe maybe they don't need it, but they're looking for some of those luxury picks or looking for something to kind of swing for the fences on DJ Chark at that size, that speed. Um, I don't know how you, I don't know how he gets past, you know, the top 50 picks. That's just really tough to come by. We've seen his athleticism in his hands, even on tape. So um, I think he vaulted himself up at the combine big time. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, it's interesting because there's probably a good five, six, maybe even seven wide receivers until we get to guys like James Washington uh, from Oklahoma State, Anthony Miller from Memphis, Dante Pettis from Washington, uh, Justin. These guys, depending on who you ask, uh, they're, they're up, they're down, they're all over the draft board. Where yeah. do these guys fit in? I mean, we just we just talked about a, a plethora of guys that are going to go off the board before them. Are these are these round three guys? Are they day three guys? How do you kind of see those guys fitting in? Dante Pettis has gotten a lot of Twitter hype. He's got a lot of media hype, but he you know he jumped well at the pro days from what I've heard you know in the past. But on tape, it's like. He's probably a four five, four five five in that range guy. I do not see a burner. I don't see a deep threat. Um, he's he's thin as heck. He's he doesn't play strong. He's a weak dude. I think some of these guys are, are talented football players. I forget who the other two you said. Um, Dante Pettis. Who who are the other two you mentioned? Oh, I'm sorry, James Washington and Michael uh, Anthony Miller from Memphis. Okay. Um, some of, you know, some of these guys we look at and they're talented football players, but put them, compare them to current NFL, you know, wide receivers, put them on a roster and think, how do these guys win? What do they do? James Washington, to me, doesn't have the body type or the athleticism to really be a true boundary receiver number two guy. I think he's a slot, and I think that's a good thing, though. I think his build-up speed and the way he tracks that ball, you want to get him free releases and you want to stress defenses. Dante Pettis. He's a number three to me as well. I, I just don't see him consistently beating press and being a guy that really threatens the defense with his strength or his speed. Anthony Miller, um, I love his hand. I love his body control, his athleticism, but I think he's small. I think he's a slot guy as well. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think that being that is going to keep a lot of these guys down the draft boards because you can get these five receivers anytime. Um, it doesn't you know, take away their talent, but – I think we're vaulting up some of these guys when it's like, you know, put them realistically on an NFL roster. Where do they fit in? And they're number three guys. Um, one guy that – one, you know, player that doesn't get a whole lot of hype and I think should is Kiki Cutie from Texas Tech. That, that's a burner. Um, 
forget what he tested, but I think it was under four four five, and under and at his speed four, four, and his three. size, four three. Yeah, it was in the four threes. I mean, and on tape, it's not like it doesn't match the tape. He's consistently blowing the tops off. Um, put him in the slot and let him run, and he's got reliable enough hands. I think I liked him. I don't. I don't think they're that similar, but compare him to Deshaun Hamilton, who's getting a lot of love as well. And I think Hughie fits in on an NFL roster just so much better, being that he's a true slot receiver. He's fast as heck. Um, you know, and like I said, just because he's a slot receiver doesn't take away his talent. But you push him down to day three, being such a, a special, you know, a niche player, and this is just a deep, deep class. You know, so saying a guy that late day two, early day three doesn't say he's bad, but there's just a lot of the same type of guys in this draft class, and I think that's what's giving us this impression that it's not a good class, it's just a deep one, and it's just a class that has a lot of guys that are kind of similar in nature and that don't, you know, fit as true number ones or even number twos on an NFL team. I think this, you know, I think this wide receiver class really, if if you wait to the middle rounds, like Joe said, and, and you don't have that first round pressure you know you use the first round pick on a guy right away there's expectations you expect them to compete right away you expect them to contribute you want them to start you know you take a guy in round two round three even early day three now there's not those expectations you could be a little bit patient you can let him progress at his speed and if he overachieves then hey you know a guy like Cooper Cup by the end of the season he's a big time contributor in that offense but you know, I see a lot of guys in that mold, and you know, Deshaun Hamilton from Penn State. Maybe he's a day three guy that outperforms some of these guys. Trey Quan Smith from UCF, uh, I think, is a good-looking wide receiver. Uh, Trey Quinn from SMU. We talk about Cortland Sutton. Joe, you mentioned Byron Pringle from Kansas State. Uh, Marcel Aitman from Oklahoma State. Uh, Kiki Kutsi. You know, how about Richie James from Middle Tennessee State? He ran a four-four-eight, and then you got guys. Uh, other guys that are all over the board, Joe, like Jordan Jeff Ladley, Bidette. Alan Lazard. Who's that? Mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff Bidette, Bidette yeah. from uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, really under-the-radar guy. Uh, where do you see the value on day? Braxton Berrios, Joe, um, who was out in Indianapolis. Where do you see some of these value picks here? Uh, and, and, Joe, you said, you know, maybe there's not a first-round guy. Well, that means – you know, if five or six receivers go in round two, there's still going to be a, a lot of talent here left for the picking in day three. Absolutely. Uh, day three, like I mentioned, guys like Jaleel Scott, Sed Wilson, my man, Byron Pringle, and then it, it may be the end of day three or maybe priority free agent. What about uh, Christian Shanafelt's dude, Rice Fountain, Northern Iowa? Uh, should have been a, mm-hmm. a late addition to the Senior Bowl. Uh, w- w- the combine secret here, Marquez Valdez-Scantling out of South Florida with his blazing 40, and you took the name yeah. right out of my hat there, Braxton Berrios. Uh, I think that's a guy, he just really impressed uh, Phil Savage down at the Senior Bowl, playing through that injury, just all that willpower, and you know he can get open, uh, just kind of destined to be a slot receiver. So, yeah, I do believe it's day three, and it's some of those day two guys that we said, well, they'll probably go in rounds two or three, but not all of them can fit in there. And, boy, if I could get a guy like Anthony Miller from Memphis who hasn't worked out, 
He didn't go to the senior bowl because he'd been injured this whole time, but I don't believe he's small. He's 5'11", 18, 200 pounds, 10-inch hands. I mean, this guy strikes me as kind of like an Emmanuel Sanders type because he has speed. I mean, it's clear watching those Memphis games. He just gets open on the regs. So I think Anthony Miller's a guy I value as, yeah, maybe a number two, maybe a number three, and then uh, Dante Pettis, I don't care what anybody, I think this kid's the forgotten man. He, he has the NCAA career record with nine punt return touchdowns. That didn't happen by accident. And he has NFL bloodlines. I know you all remember his cousin, Austin Pettis, from Boise State. Uh, got a little run with the Rams. And then, of course, his father, Gary Pettis, uh, I don't know, Angels, Tigers, Rangers. He's an MLB guy, and he still coaches, I think, for the Astros right now. So uh, Pettis, this is another guy, has not worked out yet. I think people are going to be surprised with what he tests at, and uh, I guess what I read, he's not even going to be able to work out at the the pro day. So he's a guy that's going to see his stock get hurt just for the, the lack of exposure. You're not out there working. You're not out there running. Guess what? You ain't getting drafted. So maybe Pettis slips a little bit. Maybe Anthony Miller slips a little bit because these guys just haven't had the chance to display their talents. And, boy, if they find their way to round three, there's going to be a lucky couple of NFL teams that's just going to scoop them up. Because I think, uh, like I said, Pettis just strikes me as a pro already. Like, there's not a lot that, you know, you're not worried about maturity. You're not worried about steps. You're not worried about practice. Like, this guy's going to show up every single day. And, yeah, I think that's uh, kind of this wide receiver class. There's just going to be a lot of guys that it's not their fault. They can play. They're perfectly good players. It's just they're going to find themselves into day three. And, like I said, yeah, there's going to be a few teams just really scooping up some terrific value rounds four, five, and six. Yeah, Dante Pettis, maybe not the highest ceiling, but maybe a little bit more polished, ready to play right away. And thank you, Joe, for the Gary Pettis reference. I remember Gary Pettis and Yankee <laughs> Pinstripe, so making me feel old over here. So, uh, you know, we didn't even talk about your guy, Simi Cobbs from Indiana, the, the big uh, underclassman who declared early. Uh, Davon Grayson from ECU, who was out at the NFL PA Bowl, probably the most impressive wide receiver there in, in the one-on-one drills. Um, even Darren Carrington we've talked about in, in previous shows out of Utah with, with the size, speed, transfer from Oregon. And uh, one last guy, I mean, listen, you know, Janarian Grant has been injured the past two years. I understand that. I was just at Rutgers Pro Day. He was in the 4-4 range on both 40-yard dash attempts. So he's got that explosion back. He did finish as Rutgers' all-time, all-purpose yardage record holder. Uh, you know, some of you might remember Terrell Willis uh, from the 90s, but just some guys there that we didn't even get around to, like a Jake Wineke from South Dakota State. And, uh, you know, the more we discuss the wide receiver class, I guess, and think out loud, Justin, it's a pretty deep class. Any other guys that you want to throw out there? Uh I think we covered them all, man. I mean, there's there's so many names that kind of fit into the same group. But I want to, you know, being here in Colorado, I heard a lot of buzz recently about Michael Gallup again, um, hitting in the full force in his combine or in his pro day. And I think he's overlooked, and I don't really know why. I think, you know, he plays for a different school, maybe a power five, you know, a team with a different kind of passing attack, different quarterback. And I think – he's possibly putting himself into that first-round convo. Um, 
and, and I think the main thing that's overlooked with him is just that three-level threat. Um, he's got that sudden burst to where when he, you know, catching the screens, it's it's immediate with him. And, he, you know, going on the second level in the intermediate, he's got the soft hands, he's got the strength, he's got the, you know, the ability to get open and run the routes. And, um, you know, and we've seen him stack the receiver, stack the corners deep and become a vertical threat as well. Um, and, you know, he's got the size to do it all. He's got the – there's just there, – when I look at his game, there's nothing missing. Um, and, and maybe he's not a true number one at the next level. Maybe he's not a true Z but or a true X. But I think there's just a team that's going to take him and be like, you know, how did we get him late day two or late – yeah, late day two? What happened? You know, what, what did we not see in college? What did other teams not see that we ended up with this dude? But, um, you know – I, but I, I guess, you know, looking at this class, you know, hearing Joe speak about these dudes too, it's like <laughs> there could be so many teams and so many different aspects to this class where that's the case, you know, DJ Chark and some of these other guys just with those with those immediate trump cards. It's just it's interesting to say that there's not really true day one guys, but there are so many guys who are going to be so productive that uh, I think this is one – wide receiver class looking back, it's going to be a nice case study. It's going to be good for us to reflect on those evaluators, you know, maybe two, three years mm-hmm. down the road. Yeah, no doubt. And I could see Gallup being a guy like uh, Godwin out of Penn State last year for the Bucks. I think went around two, three. Yeah. Winded up playing a pretty key role there. Yeah. So, all right, I think we've exhausted <laughs> the wide receiver class. We probably rattled about – 30, 40 names there. So, uh, you know, if you want to put somebody else on our radar, please feel free to do so. Uh, we're not hard to find. We're on the Twitterverse. We're on the social media. We're on NFLDraftBible.com. No, we're on fire. <laughs> Rick Saratella, Justin Gamble, Joe Everett here, breaking it down for you there. Um, we got a few minutes to play around with the hot stove and – you know, this off season is getting a little bit crazy now. Um, we do broadcast live. A lot of you guys get this throughout the week on the archive. While we were on air, uh, the Browns made another trade. Danny, <laughs> Danny Shelton <laughs> will now go to the Patriots. What? And you know what? <laughs> you know, before before we even try to make sense of all the comings and goings. Uh, let me ask both of you guys a question, okay? Cleveland, obviously, John Dorsey making a ton of moves. The speculation now is Saquon Barkley at number one. Uh, Joe, I'll start off with you. Obviously, they, they gained Tyrod Taylor. They gained Jarvis Landry. Uh, they got the corner from Green Bay. Is it really Saquon Barkley at one? Uh, who who is what are the Browns doing here? Will they will they take a quarterback? Will they take Saquon Barkley? Will they trade back and get more picks? Well, they're definitely tra- taking a quarterback now. Sending Kaiser off to Green Bay, I think that just as clear as day. And uh, but I, I'd have to agree with the one pick. It's looking like Barkley. Uh, they got Duke Johnson, what Matt Day, solid little player, but they they definitely need that uh, bell cow, and they'll probably just take whatever quarterbacks left to them at four. Not how I would do it, but uh, I I don't mind the trades. I mean, you're getting a player like Jarvis Landry for what a fourth and a seventh next year, a fourth this year and seventh next year. I mean, I don't mind the one that's kind of head scratching is Tyrod Taylor. Uh, yeah. I, I just 
I mean, I guess. I mean, but a third round, it seems like a little rich for a player that you knew the Bills were moving on from anyways. But, yeah, if I'm looking at it, uh, after these moves, it certainly seems like they're gearing up for uh, Barkley and a QB. And definitely, I mean, it's it's got to be offense. Uh, they've got their wide receiver core, though. It looks like on lockdown. I mean, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, Corey Coleman, uh, that, that's that's a good three right there. And who knows David, if David, David. Njoku ever figures yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of firepower there. But with that being said, and I think Tyrod Taylor, I think Dorsey probably just kind of viewed him as an upgrade over Kaiser, a veteran presence to hold the clipboard or – you know, um, be a gatekeeper. But, uh, Justin, really, I mean, is it really going to be Saquon Barkley after all these opportunities, the chance to, uh, you know, they pass up on Carson Wentz, they pass up on quarterback after quarterback. Now you're picking number one. And say what you want about franchise quarterbacks. It's a rich pool. there's, There's a lot of guys to choose from. Why not? If, you, if you've been through all these quarterbacks, all these hits and misses, why not take the guy you like the most rather than running the risk at number four, now you just get the third best quarterback or the guy that happens to fall back to you. I mean, is this really how they're going to build their team? See, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he – I think he takes a quarterback because if, he, if Dorsey doesn't take a quarterback – he could see two teams trading up to two and three in front of him, and then he ends up getting his third favorite guy at number four. I, I absolutely think John Dorsey has to, and I think he will. I know he's crazy, and I don't know. I don't know what you know is on his mind. I can't. I don't. That's not my expertise. Kind of you know reading some of these GMs and their past track records and what they do and what they think. But there's. I just don't see a possibility of him letting quarterbacks slip past him and then just settling for whoever he thinks is third best at, you know, at four. Um, there, there's no, I think Rosen or Donald is definitely going at number one. And, uh, you know, at number four, what's, what's the risk too? I mean, you take your top guy at number one and then at four, you still get potentially, um, you know, your third overall skill player. If the two teams, you know, if, if New York Giants and Indianapolis both take, you know, not quarterbacks, you get your third best overall player that's not a quarterback after already getting your quarterback. Or you get other teams trading up to two and three to get quarterbacks, and you end up with a better skill, you know, a better player than you thought you were going to get anyways. The, the quarterback at one thing just doesn't seem like a plan that could go wrong um, for, Dor- for Dorsey. I, I don't think Saquon Barkley's worth that spot. I know even though he's the top-rated player on some people's boards, it just doesn't make sense trying to build a franchise, taking the running back at one and letting quarterbacks just fall to you. That's just not how it goes. I think a quarterback improves your team's win, win-loss record a lot, a lot easier, um, and it builds for the future a lot better than taking a running back number one overall. Those are just my thoughts, but I, don't, I think there's a lot more risk taking Barkley at one than taking your top guy at quarterback. Yeah, you know, and I would, I would rather get my quarterback and feel good about that and then, hey – Maybe Barkley falls to four and you get Barkley too. If not, maybe you trade back and, and get some more assets. I know the Buffalo Bills I think they have two picks in each of the first three rounds. They're really primed now in position, uh, whether they, they can really, they have the ammunition to move up to one, to move up to two, to move up to three if they want to. 
so I think, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting scenario for sure. Um, now, Richard Sherman was cut. Uh, you hear Doug Martin to the Raiders, uh, you know, all kinds of speculation out there, but everybody wants to know where Kirk Cousins is going to land, Justin. And, and there was a false report that the Vikings offered them a, a, a three-year, $30 million, which, let's be honest, those kind of numbers, I mean, it's not going to be shocking <laughs> if that's what Kirk Cousins gets. But I think it's down to four teams, Minnesota, Arizona, Denver, and the Jets, and then the dominoes will fall. How do you see the Kirk Cousins saga playing out, Justin? So uh, this is – I think this is a little over my head still, maybe not my specialty, trying to read all this. I, I, it gets so complicated, I end up just <laughs> – you know, closing my laptop and I wait to hear it on Twitter the next day, but I still think Minnesota and Denver are probably his top two landing spots. Uh, I don't think the Jets have the roster to do it, you know, to win, right? I don't think looking, you know, what, what Kirk Cousins is looking for, I don't think Arizona and New York would be ideal for him. I think Denver and um, Minnesota would be more likely landing spots. And I think they're, 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 rosters and teams he can look at and say, yeah, I think I can win there. I think I can do this. Uh, they have, you know, they're building what, what they need for me. Um, you know, and I don't know what his agent's telling him. I don't know what he's really thinking, but putting myself in his shoes and thinking, you know, I want to win. I want to win sooner than later. I think definitely Minnesota and Denver are the top two landing spots. Uh, they both have some cash to throw around. Uh, I, I kind of think Minnesota is the top the top landing spot. They've gotten rid of pretty much everything, everyone they have as far as quarterbacks. I think with the weapons they have, the defense, it just seems too good to be true or too good to not be true um, that you know Kirk ends up a Viking at the end of this at the end of this whole thing. Joe, I'm sure the Vegas odds are out there. Uh, what do the Vegas gods say in terms of Kirk Cousins and his landing spot? I have uh, I haven't looked up the Vegas odds on Cousins yet, but I'm putting it on Arizona and Minnesota as well. I think uh, uh, the, the the sense of like the team that's the closest and where he could go and win. I mean, yeah, definitely Denver would make a lot of sense, but just cap wise, I don't know. They'd have to cut a lot of people, and then but Minnesota too, they'd have to make some moves just to make it happen. I still think you can't rule out Arizona. Uh, you know, and David Johnson on Twitter today. Uh, courting Kirk Cousins saying, stop playing around. You know you're going to the desert. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald doing the same thing. So it, there's, there's def- yeah. they're definitely rolling out that red carpet for them uh, in Cardinals land. But, uh, yeah, I like Minnesota, though. Uh, it just makes so much sense. The defense is just hell on wheels. You got those two wide receivers that play so well together in Thielen and Diggs. And then Dalvin Cook coming back healthy. They've fixed the line. It seems like uh, everything that Kirk could want really is uh, in Minnesota. So I'm, I got a feeling he's wearing some purple. Uh, that'd be my best guess. But still, there's something in the back of my mind that, like, God, Arizona just makes a whole lot of sense. So I guess I put it that, and it looks like, what is it, uh, the Vikings are one to three odds. So they may be the front runners there in mm-hmm. Vegas land. There you go. Well, I could see the dominoes falling after that, Case Keenum to the – Broncos and A.J. McCarron to the Cardinals and Josh McCown back to the Jets. But call me crazy, that's just the way the offseason has been. And 
the Rams doing a bunch of deals, and uh, I think they acquired Aqib Tlaib. They they sent um, Robert Quinn packing and Alec Ogletree to the Giants, who are also supposed to sign the uh, the guard Norvell from Carolina, and then. The Eagles looks like they got richer, adding Michael Bennett and, and uh, Daryl Worley. They traded Torrey Smith. Um, man, it just is like talk about can't stop, won't stop. Uh, Joe, any other uh, verberations or you know aftermath to digest from this whole free agent frenzy? Well, Richard Sherman uh, talking to the people in San Francisco, I think, would be huge not just for that defense, but was it, uh, Mike Solari from Jacksonville, ran Gus Bradley's scheme, so uh, he, he'd fit right in there. They need a corner, so that could be, I think, one of the bigger signings that would really sway things. We already know the 49ers are on their way up, but a, a, a shutdown corner with length like that in that system, uh, perfect fit. But I would, I would just caution people to say, oh, the Rams, they got two lockdown corners, that defense, Wade Phillips, look out. Well, yeah, that might well be true, but I would like to remind they got rid of Alec Ogletree and Robert Quinn, two high-character locker room presences, and what did they get in return? Two guys that are reputable dirt balls. But keep to leave. I mean, that guy to me is kind of like poison in a locker room. And then Marcus Peters, it should tell the world something that John Dorsey, running the Browns, who need a corner, and, and, and Ballard here in Indianapolis, who could probably use a corner as well, had no interest. They didn't even talk to him about Marcus Peters. And they, they, they know Marcus Peters better than anybody. So, I, uh, yes, the Rams got some corners. And, yes, they'll fit Wade Phillips' scheme. But I'm just worried when they're actually going to show up to the game. Uh, Peters could get in trouble. And then Aqib Tlaib, when he's going to get kicked out of a game, if he's not poking Dwayne Allen in the eye or snatching Crabtree's chain, I, I just think, you know, character matters. And, and there's a reason why the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, man. The, those guys in the locker room, they're, they're accountable. They really like each other. You don't find a lot of troublemakers in there. And I, I think that the Rams, the, the Les need. he's walking a fine line right now. And I think people should remember not just the players they're getting, but what type of characters they're, they're letting into that locker room in Los Angeles. So I, I think, uh, yeah, they, they better tread lightly. Well, good old Wade is over there, and he'll figure out a way. <laughs> Leave it up to Wade, baby. Um, there's going to be a lot of cuts, Justin, a lot of veteran guys. You, you know, Joe mentioned Richard Sherman. Uh, we saw DeMarco Murray released. Uh, guys like Adrian Peterson, Nate Solder, Jeremy Macklin, Brandon Marshall. Any of these guys here, you know, usually when you sign a free agent, you have to overpay. Uh, even guys like Sheldon Richardson and, and Muhammad Wilkerson. And what about yeah. a guy like Malcolm Butler? I mean, any of these guys here worth bringing in, in your opinion? I think a lot of them worth bringing in. It just depends on the, the price tag. I mean, you know, every guy you just mentioned has immediate value and could even be a potential high-level starter still, I think. But what are you paying for them? What are you giving up? Um, I think, you know, Sammy Watkins and Allen Robinson are still on the, are potentially on the market. I don't really know their whole situation either. But those two, I think, are my top. Those, you know, just pretending it's Madden, simply pretending that it's Madden and adding those two guys to my roster. I'm like, again, what are you paying for them? You know, Muhammad Wilkerson, 
you mentioned he kind of stands out because it's like he's had an up-and-down career. And, and at this point, I don't really know what I'm getting with him, but the upside still could be pretty massive. I still could end up getting a Pro Bowl player. What is that? Is that what I'm getting? And what, you know, and what am I paying? So I think this free agency is, is interesting because there is a lot, lot of quality players. But what are you paying for them and – you know, in Dorsey's case right now, he is he's trading left and right. He's building a, a superstar roster, but I think he's getting a lot of youth in return other than, you know, Taylor. But he's he's doing it the right way. He, he's building young. He's building talent. Um, and I think he's sacrificing some things people are, you know, questioning him on, myself included. But I think the younger, the better. Um, go with the upside. Go with what you – you know you can develop. Um, I, I'd say leave, you know, Sheldon Richardson, leave Muhammad Wilkerson, leave those guys out of there. If you're up and coming, the, the the older talent, it might not be worth it, especially for the price tag. Just keep building these young dudes. Keep getting the high-character guys, like Joe said, um, and you're going to build some championship-caliber teams. Should be fun to see how it all plays out. And, you know, even a guy like Sam Bradford, you know, could he sign – with the Buffalo Bills or, I don't know, Cleveland Browns. But these free agent signings uh, definitely change and alter the draft drastically when it comes to team needs. And I honestly believe that the draft and the free agency should be flip-flopped. Uh, you know, we, we can, you know, let's, let's, move the, let's move the draft up a month. Let's do the draft at the end of March. Let's do free agency in April. It just makes so, too much damn sense uh, from a team-building standpoint. And I think the NBA does that. I could be wrong. But I think we've got it a little bit twisted, a little bit backwards. Because when you build a team, you want to build through the draft, not build through free agency. And, and, and the way the NFL is structured right now, you've got to build your team through free agency first, and you've got to be a player somehow, some way. I mean, everybody wants to build through the draft, but – you have a salary cap for a reason. You got to use it up, <laughs> otherwise you're like going to be like Jeff Idzik and and Sashi Brown in the unemployment line. You know, you you, you keep storing up that cap space. <laughs> you ain't going to have a job here in the NFL, baby. Uh, that's a, that's going to be a wrap. That's another show. That's another hour of power, man. We did it again, baby. Uh, can't stop, won't stop style. We'll be back this week. We're going to keep uh, throwing coal into the fire. And it don't matter if we're running on fumes. So we're just going to keep it going for the next 47 days because we can't stop. We won't stop. We don't know how to stop. For Justin Gamble, you can follow him on Twitter at GamScout. Uh, Joe Everett, never leaving a stone unturned. You can follow Joe W. Everett, two Ts. Of course, you all know me, the RIC in the place to be. Rick Saratelli you can follow me on Twitter as well. Of course, you can fire, follow the whole NFL Draft Bible familia. Chris Shanafelt, uh we've got uh, Kelby Goodman doing some good things on the scouting reports we just posted up there today. Check him out on the Twitterverse. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, NFLDraftBible.com, you want rankings, scouting reports, pro day on location, exclusive interviews. Uh, we've got, you know, more combine interviews every day. We just uploaded Josh Rosen and – Sam Darnold and Saquon Barkley. I mean, it never ends. It's literally 24-7, 365 over at the com. So, again, if you're just tuning in, if you caught bits and pieces, 
if you want to catch the archives, previous shows, whatever the case may be, share it, like it, touch it, feel it. We appreciate it. Go check us out, nfldraftbible.com. Till the next time, everybody, we appreciate it.